1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 26. So you follow along with me. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the, same, by, by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, as it is with Christ, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, and that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be uh, gathered as the body of Christ today. God, that's such a sweet thing. Uh, I love it, God. And um, I thank you, Father, for the encouragement you provide uh, to my faith through the ministry of other believers. Um, Father, I thank you for um, the church and the mission of God and the people of God. And Lord, help us to see those things clearly and rightly today. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning we're going to be talking about the church. And uh, I just want to start by, by telling you this. And I hope you believe this. I hope that you see this. I hope after I say this, you're like, yeah, I see that in him. Um, but, but I want to start just by telling you, I love the church. Uh, I, I, and by that, I don't mean I love like church. You know, it depends on how you, you say that word. You know, a lot of people when you say, I love the church, they think, well, okay, you love going to services. And you, you love, you know, uh, preaching. And, and you love uh, the building. And you love um, the instruments. And you love committees, you know, which would really be a stretch. And you love, you know, those, those churchy things. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, what I'm saying is I love the people of God in my life. I love being surrounded by and my life being entangled with uh, the people of God. I love being a part of other people's lives. I, I love having people look after my soul. I, I, I love having people in my life, knowing what's going on with me, knowing what's going on with my family, encouraging me in faith, uh, ministering me, me getting to minister to them. I, I, I love that whole thing. That, that's what I see as the church. And I love that. Okay. 
Um, I, I think you hear some Christians, they, they don't love it. And I, and I can't fathom why. And, and I, that's going to hopefully be reflected as, as we look through this. But some people don't. You know, some people have this kind of, it's me and Jesus, you know. Uh, get, my, get my Lone Ranger hat and uh, maybe Tonto every once in a while. But most of the while, it's just me. You know, it's me and Jesus. I'm on, on this. No, man, that's never, never, never in the Scriptures the way that God has intended it to be, okay? And, and, and in the Scriptures, it's very clear that God, God has formed a people, okay? We should be excited about the church, and I think this passage is a great passage to help us understand what I think are the internal workings of the church, okay? Uh, now, throughout this, this passage of Scripture, one of the things you're going to have to understand is that Paul is using a very particular image that he wants you to have in your mind, okay? And the image he wants you to have in your mind is of a physical body, okay? So what, what Paul wants you to begin to picture in your mind is that the church is a body, okay, with Christ as the head. So Christ is the mind, if you will, okay? He's the brain. He, he is the control center. Okay, and then the rest of the body represents individual members. Okay, and so as the body is very diverse, you have all kinds of different parts of your body. In the same way, uh, the church is diverse; all kinds of different people joined together to the head, doing the will of the head. Okay, that, that's the picture that we're going to be using the rest of today. That's the picture that Paul gives us. And you know the cool thing? It's really a theologically accurate picture. Okay, because indeed Christ is the head of the church. Okay, he he is the he's control. This is his mission, okay? We're here living out his mission. We're continuing his work. We really are joined to him. I mean, that's kind of the cool thing about that. It makes sense theologically. In the Bible, it says whenever you turn away from from sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you're joined to Christ. You're in union with him. I mean, that's what brings about salvation is is a spiritual connection to Jesus. And so this is really, I think, a theologically accurate picture of of the church, okay? And, And the point that Paul wants to make is, okay, there's one head. There, there, there's one head of the church, and then there are many members. And that makes sense in your body as well, right? Did a little Googling this morning. Um, here we got it. 206 bones in the human body, 50 trillion cells, 60,000 miles of blood vessels, uh, eyes, ears, nose, mouth, tongue, hands, feet, fingers, toes, legs, arms, elbows, knees, all connected to the head. Isn't that cool? Um, doing, doing the will head, you know, I mean, I mean, whatever, whatever the brain tells all those things to do in conjunction, they're, they're doing them all the time, you know, and they're all working toward one goal. And that's to be the picture of the church. Now, what specifically does Paul want to talk about today in first Corinthians 12? He wants to talk about spiritual gifts. Okay. So, so basically he's saying, okay, how does the church work together to build itself up? Okay, it's a spiritual work that we do, right? We understand that, right? Um, the work that we do as God's people, the work Jesus' work is a spiritual work. It, it is a work of changing hearts. It's a work of transforming people. It's a work of uh, sanctification. It's a work of, of bringing about regeneration in people. It's a work of bringing the gospel, opening people's eyes to the glory of Jesus. All those things are a spiritual work. And, and, and so it makes sense that we, we need spiritual abilities, I guess you might say, to, to do that work. And so Paul begins to talk about spiritual gifts. Verse 1 says, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. So we know that's the topic of, of the chapter. And then in verse 7, I think he gives, gives us a great definition of what is a spiritual gift. Okay, what's a spiritual gift? It's not something you buy at Mardell's, by the way. Um, it, it is this, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is when the Holy Spirit manifests Himself through you. 
Okay? So the Holy Spirit makes himself known. He moves. He works. He does something. He reveals Jesus, okay, through you. So it's, it, it is, it is, what, 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 first of all, you need to, need to get this. This is crucial the rest of the time. Spiritual gifts are connected to the Holy Spirit, okay? It is the work of the Holy Spirit. All right, so so we, we when we when we exercise a spiritual gift it is the spirit of God manifesting, revealing Himself, revealing the work of Jesus, revealing Jesus through us to other people to build up others in their faith. First Peter chapter four verse ten says this: As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Okay, did, did you hear what that just said? That said that, that the spiritual gift is, is God's grace, okay? Because we're supposed to be good stewards of God's grace. So it's almost like that through the Holy Spirit, God has given us this, this bunch of grace, okay? And, and as a believer, I'm going to try to give that grace to Tony, okay? That, that's me exercising my spiritual gift is, is when I have that grace and I'm giving that grace away, okay? Now, Crucial here, it's a serious thing to not use your spiritual gift. It's a serious thing to neglect spiritual gifts. You know why? Because you're neglecting something God meant for somebody else. You see, God God has given you a spiritual gift, and the purpose of that gift is to build up the body of Christ. It's for somebody else. So God's given you something that's really not for you, okay? He's given you something that is for the benefit of, of, of others, for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so if you're not exercising your spiritual gift, if you're not aiming to build up the body of Christ, then God's given you something that you are not using for its intended purpose. It would be as if, and, and this, this is, could be a real scenario, it's as if the day before Mother's Day, I, I give my kids $25 and I send them to Walmart. So get, get, let's just say I give one of my my kids. I give Haddon $25 and I send him to Walmart. I say, buy a Mother's Day gift for your mother. You know, get something nice for your mom. Your mom deserves that. You know, you need, you know, $25. That's a lot of money. You know, go ahead and, uh, go ahead and get, get something for your mom. Okay. And so he's in Walmart and, uh, you know, two hours and he comes out, you know, and, and two scenarios. One, he comes out with something for himself. Okay. He comes out with a new fishing lure and he said, you know, dad, I looked all over, but I just think I bought something for me, you know, or, or scenario number two, he comes out and he says, you know, I'm just going to keep it, dad. You know, I'm just going to keep the money. You know, I think, okay, I'm not happy with either one of those scenarios. You know why? Because the, what was given to him was intended for somebody else. And in the same way, your spiritual gift is intended for somebody else. And it's a really serious thing to, to not do anything with it. In Matthew 25, there's a parable of the talents, okay? Now, remember, a talent is not like your ability to, to, to dance or skip or hum or yodel or whatever. And, and, and the, in, the, in this parable in the Bible, a talent is a, is a sum of money, okay? And so what, what the parable is about is that the master is getting ready to leave, and he gives a sum of money to each one of his servants. He says, all right, guys, you're, you're, you're supposed to take care of my business while I'm gone, okay? Two of the servants do a great job. They take care of his business. They multiply with what, what's been given to them. They've got stuff to give to to the master when he comes back. One of the servants, however, listen to what happens. Verse 25. Says, um, he says, I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what's yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I've scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give, him to, give it to those, to the one who has 10 talents. 
Okay, the one thing I want you to see about that is the master is not at all happy with the servant. In fact, he calls him a wicked and slothful servant. Why? Because he did absolutely nothing with what the master had given him to use. Okay? God has entrusted you with something. I, I want to drive that home today. That's really important for you to understand in your life. God has entrusted you with something. If you're a born-again believer, if you're connected to Jesus Christ, then you've been entrusted with something that is meant to help somebody else in their faith. It's meant to build up other people in this church church in the body of Christ as a whole in their faith and to not use that thing is a serious thing okay we can't look at it as well you know God gave me this but yeah I just I don't have time for that I'm gonna tuck it away I'll give it back to him in heaven you know when when we get to heaven I'll just just give it back to him hey here's what you know I don't want to take what's yours I'm gonna give it back to you you know that that, that, that's something that is very displeasing to the Lord. And so we need to take seriously the fact that we've been given something to give to others. Now, what have we been given? Well, first of all, please don't look at spiritual gifts as talents, okay, or natural abilities. Um, God has given those as well, okay? Uh, I firmly believe God has given people certain, you know, certain abilities. God, God gives people the ability to do calculus. Uh, God skipped me on that one, just jumped right over me on that one, and he, he gave it to others. Uh, that's a good thing you know, that God has given that, but that's not a spiritual gift, okay? Some people can play the drums. Pastor Chris, man, doesn't that make you sick? Like, he's usually over on the electric guitars, but we need to play the drums today. Okay, you know, you're going to play the drums, you know? I'm just like, how does that even work, you know? Yeah. People, I like work all my life, one instrument. I'm still not any good, you know, and, and he just, just goes whatever he wanted to play, you know. I expect someday we'll bring in like bagpipes or something. He'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll do that one, you know. Uh, but, you know, God's just giving him this ability. And, but, but that's not a spiritual gift, okay. Um, it's not a, being able to play the guitar is not a spiritual gift, okay. The, let me give an example. There are lots of people who can really play the guitar, okay, but they do not at all use that ability to build up the faith of others, okay? You know, uh, I'm just not so sure when ACDC cranks out their guitar solo, that's building up people's faith, all right? Um, it, it, it's, I'm not, you know, it's just, it, that's, it's not a spiritual gift, okay? You can use that for good, you can use it for bad, you can use it for you, you can use it for whatever, but, but it, it's an ability, it's a talent, okay? But a spiritual gift is directly related to the work of the Holy Spirit, Okay? And so, so, so it's a different thing than 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 an ability, or a uh, uh, just a gift that you might have. Just you know, got when you're born, or you developed it later on, or whatever. And again, God can use those, but that's really not a spiritual gift. Notice in verse six, a spiritual gift, and this, he says this actually several times. He says it in verse eleven too. But a spiritual gift is 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 a gift that is empowered by the Spirit. Verse six says, and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. And in verse eleven, it says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. Man, that is good news. Okay. There's some really happy news in that, that truth right there, that the Holy Spirit empowers your gift, okay? So what that means is, as, as you seek to, to build up the faith of somebody else and use your spiritual gift, the power is coming from somewhere beyond you, okay? It's coming from God. God is the one who, who brings that alive, who does spiritual work in other people, okay? So, so really, your job is just exercise the, your gift and, and pray that the Holy Spirit would empower that gift to build up people's life. Faith. Notice, notice the purpose of every gift. Verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay? For the common good. Your gift is not for yourself. Your gift is to build up the body of Jesus Christ. It's to build up the, 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 the church. In Ephesians chapter 4. 
verse 12, it talks about, um, verse 11 talks about he gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Verse 12 says to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, look at this. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That, that, that's where spiritual gifts are headed. You know, your gift is to build somebody up in the knowledge of God. Your gift is to build somebody up in the unity of the faith. Your gift is to build somebody up to, to, to mature manhood, to, to their faith is mature. They're mature as a Christian, to build them up to the stature and the fullness of Christ, to look like Jesus. Okay, so when you exercise your spiritual gift, the end result should be people become more and more like Jesus. They become to look more and more like Jesus. They begin to act more and more like Jesus. They begin to think more and more like Jesus. They begin to have self-control more and more like Jesus, love more and more like Jesus. That's the purpose of your spiritual gift now now because of that it's in, it's crucial it's crucial that we don't isolate ourselves from the ministry of other believers and do you see how important that becomes <clears throat> there's a movement always has been you know i tend to think it's just happening now but i think it's probably always been there there's, there's a movement where people say you know what I'm going to pull away from the church. I'm a Christian. I'm born a believer, but yeah, you know, I still have time for church. I'm just, you know, not interested in the people of God. I don't want to be in a small group. I don't have time for all that stuff. Listen, you know what you're doing? When you isolate yourself from the ministry of other believers, you're isolating yourself from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the only way you're going to defeat sin in your life, the only way you're going to become more like Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the power of the Holy Spirit comes, you know, Lots of ways. It does come through the word of God. It does come through prayer. I'm not diminishing those things. But what Paul is very clear to point out here is that it comes through the people of God. And so if I pull myself away from the people of God, if, if I don't invest time and energy in building Christ-centered relationships, that's what we call them here at Lincoln Avenue, Christ-centered relationships, if, if I don't do that, then I have walled myself off from a means by which God has, has ordained to build me up. Okay? God has ordained this, this means to build up my faith, to build me up in Christ. And if I isolate myself, I have withdrawn myself from that particular ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's a big thing. Isn't that a big thing? It is. Come on. You guys are, I know it's a holiday weekend, but I mean, it is. Shake your head at least, you know. Even if you don't agree. Thank you. Thank you. That makes me feel better. Um, it's a big deal. Don't do that. I mean, this, this, this is one of the reasons that Christ in our relationships is, is such a big thing at Lincoln. It's not just because, hey, we, we like friends. We want to be friendly. We like to get together and, you know, have parties and all that. Uh, no. I mean, there's a bigger purpose. There's a deeper purpose. The purpose is, is that God has ordained that you grow by relationships with other believers. The Holy Spirit moving through them, giving grace to you, building up your faith. That, that is the pattern of the New Testament. And so, so there's, there's great benefit in you being a recipient of a spiritual gift from other people. There's also, I think, great benefit in exercising your spiritual gift as well. I mean, that's another thing about isolating yourself is that you're, you're not being useful to God. You're not being useful to the kingdom. You're not living out Christ's purposes, okay? But, but, but there's, there's great benefit, I think, even to exercising your spiritual gift, um, even for yourself. Let me tell you why. Um, because of the Holy Spirit moving through you. I mean, that, that's got to be good, doesn't it? I mean, that's, that's got to have some good benefits, okay? If, if, if I'm building up the faith of somebody else, and, and what's happening is the Holy Spirit is moving through me, and He's doing things in that person, okay, that's got to be good for me. I just can't help but think, that's got to be good for me. 
I even think you get better at, at using your, your, your own gifts as, as you're in this process. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, verse 11 and 12, it says, And he gave, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Okay, so I, I'm in, I'm in that, that little group right there as a pastor. Okay, so, so verse 12 says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so part of using my gift is to help you, helps you use your gift. And so I can't help but think that that happens even the other way around. You know what? When someone serves me or provides leadership in my life or encourages me or encourages my family, I think that helps me to use my gift better. I mean, I just think being a part of the whole process, you understand what I'm saying? Being a part of that process, using your gift to build up other people's faith, receiving from other people, I think that whole process is, a, is an edifying thing in the body of Christ. Now, Let's move on here. Here's something that Paul is going to really emphasize in, in, in chapter 12, and this is all through the chapter, and that is that we have to understand the body is very diverse. Okay, look at verses 4 through 6. There are varieties of gifts, the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Okay, and then he goes on in verse 17 and talks about how silly it would be if, if everybody did the same thing, okay, if everybody was just alike, if the Holy Spirit used everybody in exactly the same way, it would be like, verse 17 says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I mean, wouldn't it be a funny thing if we were 450 ears at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church, you know? I mean, that's, you know, roughly about how many people come here. You know, when, when that, you know if everybody just did the exact, we were 450 mouths, man, that, that's talk about uh, chaos, right? Or 450 eyes, you know, I mean... It just doesn't work if everybody does the same thing, okay? The, the center is a, is a crucial person on the offensive line of a football team, okay? But if everybody, if all 11 guys are sinners, you know, what happens? You know what? You got 11 guys snapping the ball and nothing happens, you know? I mean, the ball just, the 11 balls roll back there in the backfield, you know? I mean, that, that's all. I mean, obviously, you, you need diversity, okay? Diversity is crucial to the success of the church, and so Paul wants to emphasize that there are varieties of gifts, varieties of, of service, varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all. As we begin to look through our Bible, you know what's interesting? We have three different places, at least three, where there are somewhat of a list of spiritual gifts. Here's an interesting thing. All three of those are different. Okay, all three, you don't have the same list, okay? In, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6, uh, let's see, no, no, let's start in verse... Um, Eight, to, to, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Okay, so you've got a gift of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge. Okay, wisdom is kind of applying knowledge. Knowledge is understanding who God is, understanding the Scriptures. According to the same Spirit. To another, faith. You have some people that, that are, are gifted in, in just exceptional faith. Man, I love these people. These are the people that when everything's beginning to crash down, they're the folks saying, hey, God's going to take care of this. Hey, we don't need to worry. Man, you know, hey, you know, we just need to trust God for this thing. I'm going forward. I'm stepping forward, man. Those are great people to have. Um, to another, gifts of healing by the same spirit to another working of miracles to another prophecy to another the ability the ability to distinguish between spirits kind of a gift of discernment to another various kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues these are all empowered by one and the same spirit so there you have a list of gifts okay but you go over into romans chapter 12 verses 6 through 8 let me read you this list Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts. Okay, that's a new one. Uh, so there's a gift of exhortation or encouragement in his exhortation. The one who contributes. Okay, there's a gift of giving. There, there are definitely people, I've seen this, who just are having incredible... Now, 
Now, again, let's stop right here and let's, let's make something clear. Does that mean if I don't have the gift of, 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 uh, of, of contributing or giving that, that I need to get my tithe back out of the plate? Is that, you know, is that what that means? And, you know, if it's not my gift, you know, I don't, no, of course not. I mean, there are, we're, we're, we're supposed to do, all, there are things that God has just commanded us to do. For instance, let's keep reading here. Uh, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, now what I want you to, to see there is that's a different list than the one we just read. Okay, but let me make a side point in here and say, it's very clear, my family will tell you this, I do not have the gift of mercy. Okay, does that mean that I am off the hook of, uh, about ever being merciful? No, okay. I mean, it is a sin for me not to be merciful. Okay, but, but at the same time, I also recognize that that's not exceptionally my gift. There are certain people that do that so well. I mean, God just moves through them, you know. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been in, in, in a tragedy with somebody and I, I'm doing my best to comfort them, doing my best to, you know, quote scripture, pray with them, put my arm around them, you know, and, and somebody else from the church walks in, you know, who has just the gift of mercy, you know, and this person's over there and they're just kind of, you know, Pastor Jason's comforting me and everything. The other person walks in and he's just it's like all of a sudden, you know, you know, and they're just hugging and hugging that person. I'm so glad you came, you know, and I'm just like, well did my best, you know, uh, but, but that person is, God uses them, you know, I mean, they're just certain people that they have this, this exceptional gift that doesn't let me off the hook. Okay. So, so I, I guess here's what we're saying. You know, you may say, well, I don't have the gift of teaching. Okay. That doesn't mean when your six year old says, you know, dad, you know, tell me about Jesus. That doesn't mean you say, hey, hold on, son. You know, let me get on the phone and get somebody who's a teacher because my gift's not teaching. And so, you know, no, you tell them about Jesus, of course, okay? But what Paul is saying is people are gifted in different ways, okay? Get different and gifted. And it's interesting that the New Testament gives us lots of different lists of, and I, I don't even think we have an exhaustive list. I think God uses your 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 your, your physical or your natural talents and abilities, your personality, your background, your subculture, and then a unique spiritual gift. And he ties all that together to make you who you are in the kingdom of God. And and here's the cool thing. We need you. Okay. We need you. I always say this at the new member dinners. And and here's, here's the verse I quote, verse 18. As it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. Isn't that cool? God, God puts people exactly where he wants them with the exact background, um, with the exact personality, talents, and then a spiritual gift all combined and says, all right, Lincoln needs you. Lincoln needs you. In order for Lincoln to do what Lincoln needs to do, in order for us to reach our community here, I'm leading you there because they need you. Wow, man, that, that's, that's, really, that's really cool. And you know what's, you know what's cool is to watch how God does that. Uh, 13, 14, 15 years ago, we were at one service just in this building right here. It looked a little different. It's been remodeled. But we were at one service in this building. And God had given us what we needed for one service, you know, to lead out in worship and preaching and Sunday school and everything. We, we had what we needed. Uh, there were times, I remember a Memorial Day, I was thinking about this, uh, a holiday weekend, just like today, where everybody was gone. And Crystal, you remember this because you helped me. I think, I led worship. There's one time here linking out. But I, and you know why I did? Because there was nobody else. I mean, everybody else, you know, that could do it was gone. 
And, and so I'm up there, you know, with my guitar, you know, three chords, G, C, and D. And that's all we got, you know, for the whole day. And, and I was just thinking how, how God has grown us. And now, now we have three worship services. And we have three teams of people. I'm like, where did they come from? You know? Yeah, and, and God didn't give it to God didn't give us that 15 years ago. He gave it to us as we needed it. That's a beautiful thing. I love the church. Are you guys loving the church? I mean, isn't that awesome how, how God brings people for what you need, when you need it, your, your needs changed, and, and God is just up there. The head is, is up there organizing and, and, and giving us exactly what we need. Man, the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Um, I, I see some churches, I got friends that are pastors and, and, you know, um, I know friends that are just not like on a, just as I used to be on, on a, on a staff with just, just, just them. They're it. Okay. It's a single staff church. And man, I marvel that they're, they're generalist. You know, God's made them a, like they're gifted in a bunch of different areas to be able to kind of do it all, you know? And, 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 you know, not, they're not like really high on one thing. They can, they're just kind of across the board. And then I, I know other guys that are in a, in a particular situation where they just need to be really strong in this one area, you know, because they got other people do that other stuff. And God's, God's given them that. I mean, I just marvel at, at the beauty of God's church. Okay, so verse 5 and 6 emphasizes there's variety of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities. Um, and th- think about how many ways that plays that out. Okay, we've got people in this room that are gifted as teachers. Okay, now that doesn't look the same. Okay, based on what God needs you to do. Okay, there are people that are gifted at, at, at preaching to a thousand people at one time. There are other people that are gifted at one-on-one instruction. That, that McDonald's thing that I like to do on, 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 on weekday mornings with guys. Where we just sit down and we're going to look at this chapter of the Bible and it's just a one-on-one thing. Okay, There are other teachers, man I marvel at these folks, who can capture 23-year-old's attention and hold it for an hour as they tell them a story, you know? Man, that's a gift, isn't it? You know, and, and my, my three-year, my four-year-old comes home saying, this is what I learned about God, you know? Here, here's, here's what telling me the story. There are others that, that capture the imagination of a teenage boy, you know, with, with uh, practical things and work and recreation and apply spiritual truths. There are people who communicate truth through blogs and books and curriculum and professors who teach pastors. I mean, there, there, there's a variety of ways that teaching needs to happen, okay? Others lead, okay? But not everybody leads in the same way. I, I know a lady who leads purely by example. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. She's one of the most influential people in the kingdom that I know, but she does it just through example. I mean, she basically says, hey, I'm going to be involved in this. There's all like 30 other people that say, me too, me too, me too, me too, me too. You know, but if she wouldn't have said that, I mean, that, that's just how God has gifted her to lead. Okay, there are other people that lead by organizing enormous ministry efforts. You know, they're the people that are putting together all these pieces in the puzzle to, to, to make this thing work. There are other people who influence uh, people to serve by recruiting. Man, there is one guy in our church. He is a relentless recruiter, okay? You know how some people are, are always, you know, they're, I, I, Paul is kind of like this sometimes. I mean, she hates to be, you know, asking people to do things, you know, because she, she gets stuck calling people, hey, will you take children's church today? You know, and no, you know, no, no. You know, I mean, that, we've, got, we've got one guy in our church. It does not bother him at all. I mean, it, he almost thrives on it, you know? I mean, it's just his gift. I mean, he's just relentless. He'll call you 20 times in a day and not feel bad at all, you know? He just, it's for the kingdom, you know? Come on, how come, how come you aren't here? Hey, you were coming, weren't you? Hey, do I, I'll come by and pick you up. I'll be there in 10 minutes. I mean, man, just God's just giving him and, you know, he gets results. You know, I, I mean, say what you want. He gets results, you know? 
And that's a great thing in the kingdom of God. There are some people who lead through strong relationships. There are some people who lead through pulling people in from the fringe. Oh, man. Pastor Chris, really good at that. Pastor Chris, really, he, he works the edges of, of our ministry, you know? And he's always finding those people on the edge, and he's pulling them in. You know, they, I call them gatherers. Actually, a lot of the Castor family are gatherers. They're, you know, they're descendants of the hunter and gatherer people. You know, instead of berries and fruit, they gather people, you know? And he's pulling them together. Hey, come over, come in our yard, come watch the Thunder game with us, come, you know, whatever, just come. I mean, they're pulling people in. All kinds of ways to lead. Isn't that a beautiful thing, how, how God works in the, in the body of, of Christ? You know, I think, this is a little side note. I got a bunch of these today, sorry. But I think 1 Corinthians 12 is pleading with us to be people who think outside the box. You know, I mean, I mean there's times where in, in churches we get stuck in this one thing. You know, we think, well, church's got to be done this way. Sunday school's got to be done this way. Children's ministry's got to be done this way. I almost think that's antithetical to 1 Corinthians 12. Because 1 Corinthians 12 emphasizes the variety of the way that God moves in people's lives and how he's gifted people. Hey, think outside the box. Be thankful for our diversity. But not everybody's thankful for diversity. No, here's a struggle that's going to come about in the church. It happens here. Um, verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Um, this is a real thing that people struggle with. People struggle with diversity. People struggle with, with being different, okay? Uh, if a tree fell in the worship service, would anybody hear it? We did. Um, it's windy. People begin to compare themselves to other people, right? Have you ever had that happen? I, I, I don't, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. Um, I don't do that. You know, I, I don't, I'm shy, I hear a bunch of people say that. You know, I don't like crowds. And so there's almost an immediate assumption that I'm not really a part of this thing. Well, I'd like to be, but I'm not like Jason. I'm not like Pastor Chris. And I'm not like Pastor Andrew. And I'm not like my Sunday school teacher. I'm not like my small group leader. And I'm just different. And so I'm not really a part of this thing. Um, that's a really silly thing to say, to think. Um, the Holy Spirit does not make mistakes, okay? He's made you the way you are. Now, if, if you're saying that because you're in sin, okay, that's a different thing. You know, if God is prompting you to be a part of people's lives and you're just bucking up and saying, you know what, I'm too busy for that. People got problems. I don't want to get messy. Okay, no, that, that's sin, okay? But if you're legitimately saying, you know what, I don't function like that guy or that guy or that guy, so I must not have a place in the church Man, Paul says, no, that's ridiculous. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. I mean, what a great illustration. And what a real illustration. I mean, imagine if, if feet and hands could talk, you know? I mean, I mean, can you imagine a, feet, a foot thinking, I got the bad end of this deal? I mean, first of all, they're always covered up with several layers. I mean, nobody even ever sees them, you know? Um, they never get a shake. I mean, wouldn't they feel kind of left out? I mean, they never get to shake, you know? I mean, your hand, the hand got to, got to say hello and fellowship with, you know, 100 people here this morning, you know? And the hand gets to Facebook, and the hand gets to Twitter, and the hand gets to call people, and, and the hand gets to eat food and touch onion rings, and, and man, the hand gets to do all this great stuff. What does the foot get? Man, the foot never get. The foot never touches anybody, and if it does, people are like, eh, you know. I mean, that's what happens at our house on the couch. You know, then we put the get your foot off me. You know, I mean, I mean, man, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it begin to just feel like, man, I'm not an integral part of this deal. 
Okay? And so, so Paul's kind of playing this situation out. And he says, man, how ridiculous that w- would that be? Okay? It doesn't, it, because you're not a hand, it doesn't make you any less a part of the body. Okay? And, and you know, if the hand of the rest of the body could speak to the foot, you know what it would say? Hey, dude, we really need you to be a foot. Okay? Because if you're not a foot, then we don't stand upright. And if you're not a foot, we have a hard time going around and shaking everybody's hand because we're dragging, you know. I mean, we're, we're dragging and we can't hardly get anywhere, you know. We, we really need you to be a foot. You might say, well, I'm, I'm different. I'm different than everybody else. Good. That's awesome. We need to embrace that. You, you, man, I see this all the time. We need ambassadors. And, and God, I think, God, I think, wins people in all kinds of different pockets of Woodward. Um. We, we, we need quilters and bikers and cyclists and cowboys and oilies and executives and medical people and postal people. When I say postal people, I don't mean people that go crazy and shoot people. I mean people that deliver, deliver the mail. Um, retail folks, car enthusiasts, music people, art people, boat people, old people, young people. Man, we need them. And, and have you ever seen, this is a beautiful thing. Have you ever seen how God, God saves somebody? And, and all of a sudden, people from their family are showing up at church, checking it out, hearing about Jesus. And all of a sudden, people at their work are showing up. And people in their golf club are showing up. People in their, I mean, whatever they're a part of. It's like, oh, where did these people come from? Well, they came from the connection with this one guy who didn't have connections that any of us had. He was different. He ran in a different circle, different socioeconomic group, different subculture. He had different gifts. And, and, and now you see God using them in that way. So, man, don't, don't say, well, I can't preach. You know, I, for one, I'm glad you can't, you know, because you're not gunning for my job, you know, and that's a, that's a good thing. You say, well, I can't play an instrument. Okay, we, we must not need you to. You know, if you can't play one, we must not need you to. The question is not what you can do, is what can you do, okay? And, and, and here's what Paul, Paul is emphasizing. You fit here, okay? The reason you fit here is because the Holy Spirit's inside of you and the Holy Spirit's inside of us. That's why you fit. You don't have to look like everybody else. You don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to dress like everybody else. You don't have to be in, into the same stuff as everybody else. Really, we, 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 don't, we don't want that. We want you to be you, okay, without sin. We don't want you to be, a, you know, we don't want you to sin, okay. Uh, but we want you to be who God made you. And, guys, I don't know if you, if you see what a big deal this is. This is a big deal for some people. Maybe it's not for you. Some people, it's huge. They, they sit in the church and, and they look around and they like, I don't fit here. That's a lie. That's a lie. If you're a born-again believer, you are here. You fit. You fit because the Holy Spirit of God is in you. The Holy Spirit of God is in us. And you fit because God's made you the way he wants you. You've got the gifts that he's, he's given you. And, and so, so don't say, I don't fit. It's a really unbiblical thing to think the church does not need you um we need you the other side of the coin is it's a really unbiblical thing to say i don't need the church look at verse 21 verse 21 says the eye cannot say to the hand i have no need of you nor again the head to the feet i have no need of you it's a dangerous thing to write people out of your life uh, especially born-again believers. And to begin to think, you know, in the church there's always pockets of people. There's people that feel real strongly about this ministry or this ministry. or They kind of run around. And it's, re- it's really a dangerous thing to think, I don't need those people 
in my life. Again, we're not talking about sin. We're talking about just just the differences in people. Um, The Bible says you do need them. Uh, One of the things I've really tried to discipline my life toward is is opening my heart and life to other people, just a variety of people, Uh, just realizing I I need them. Man, I tell you, one of the the most foolish things you can say is I don't have time to meet with other believers. Basically, what you're saying is I don't have time for the Holy Spirit and I don't have time to become like Jesus. You, You desperately need that. Real quick, how do I know my spiritual gift? Well, have you ever taken one of those cool spiritual gift inventories? You ever taken one of those? Uh, I think the first time I preached, back in the 90s, first time I preached on this passage, I think I handed one of those out with my sermon, you know. And you go through there and you answer these questions about yourself and bingo, you know, you're a teacher, you know. And so you quit your job and you become, you know, or whatever. Uh, you know, or I'm an encourager, you know, and your wife's going, what? You know, okay. I think, I think those are of not very much use, okay. Now, if, if they were of use to you, great, that's awesome. Um, but let me tell you what I think. It, how do you find your spiritual gift? Here, here's, here's four or five principles, okay? Number one, strive to glorify Jesus and build up others in their faith, okay? So just, just do this. Just, just say, I want to build up other people in their faith, okay? So you're going to go to your small group. We've got a block party next week. You're going to go to the block party. You're going to maybe uh, hang out with, with some of your, your, your uh, church members in Sunday school, something like that. Maybe your family, who's, who's believers, just, just aim at, try to, try to build up their faith. Just have that as your goal. Just go home today and say, you know what, I want, I want to build up my wife in the Lord. I want to build up my husband in the Lord. I, I, I want to help them to be closer to Jesus. Okay? Now, here's the question. What do you do when, when you think that way? Okay? Do, what do you do? Do you, do you pray for them? Do you fix something? Do you organize something? Do you make a call? Do you send a text? Do you have people over to your house? You know, what, what do you do? A lot of times, if you're just aiming at building up the faith of others, you will naturally live out your gift. Does that make sense? You know, when some people think, how, how, can, I, how can I build up the faith of others? Let's have them over. That's, that's some people's first thought. Let's have them over. You know, that person may have the gift of hospitality. You know, other people, their first thought is, man, I need to share this with them. You know, what I read in my quiet time this morning, that would be so good for them. I want to share that with them. That person may have the gift of teaching. You know, other people are like, you know what? I just need to put my arm around them and encourage them. I know they've been having a rough time. I bet I want to pray for them. I want to get them alone where I can pray for them. That person may have the gift of, of encouragement, you know, or immersion. Or, so, so, so aim at building up people in their faith and then what comes natural. Number two. Seek to be full of the Holy Spirit. Since a spiritual gift is all about the Holy Spirit working in and through you, then doesn't it make sense that as you, as you, as you are full of the Holy Spirit, that's going to leak out, right? I mean, you're going to leak out on other people. So, so be full of the Holy Spirit. Fight hard against not grieving the Spirit or quenching the Spirit or living in sin or having unconfessed sin in your life, but be filled up with the Spirit of God. Number three, strive to, do, uh, to take every opportunity you're given to serve the Lord, okay? Uh, I, think, I think this is crucial. Um, don't back away from certain ministries because you think, well, that's not my gift. I mean, give it a try. Give it a try. Just do whatever God opens up for you, okay? Uh, I'm the pastor. Uh, I really think my, my, my gifts are in preaching and teaching. But last Tuesday night, there was an opportunity for me to work in the nursery, and I did. And I found out I'm pretty gifted for, with kids. I think I'm going to have some, you know? Uh, but I, I think it worked okay. June, it worked all right. It worked okay. I mean, I know I left on and off a lot, but I didn't do anything. You know, I mean, we, we didn't have any disaster. I got the crackers out and the juice, and it was fine. I played with them. Um, you, every opportunity, every opportunity you have, you do it. See what happens, okay? N- number four, consider what you love and are drawn to do. Um, 
I think that's a big part of it. I think, I think the Holy Spirit usually puts a capacity that you, you like doing what, what God's gifted you to do to build up others in faith. And then the fifth one, the final one here, consider what, uh, what other people affirm in you. Um, man, listen to other people. Listen to other people. Uh, I've told you this story before, but it was of, of such great help to me. Um, I was I was a pretty new Christian, a couple years, and I was I, I knew I knew I wanted to teach. I knew that was kind of in me to do that. And so the little church I was a part of, they put me in the youth program right away. And so I'm like a 19 year old uh, teaching 18 and 17 year olds, you know, in the youth program. And uh, the lady came to me, the Sunday school director, whoever it was, her name was Donna Wallace, and she came to me and she said, you know. Jason, she goes, I really see gifts of teaching in you. I'm just not sure it's with youth, you know. Would you willing to be try something else? And I said, sure, you know. Uh, actually, I was like, thank you, you know. These kids are just staring at me, you know. And they're bored to death. And so they put me with the senior adults. And, uh, and I, I, that senior adult class, class grew from probably 8 to 30, 40 by the time that, that we left college there and went to seminary. And, and I'm just so thankful for a lady that affirmed me and kind of helped me. You know, listen to people, listen to what they say about you, man. You, you're really, you're really good at this. You're really, you know, man, you ministered to me. Uh, we see this in the new Testament all the time. Remember what they called Barnabas? They called him son of encouragement. Um, Paul and Barnabas were set aside as church planners. Seven guys in, in, in Acts chapter six are set aside for the work of service and administration and overseeing finances. So, so listen to other people. Um, finally, look at, look at some application here. Verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There's where we really want to get to, guys. Verse 25 and 26. Uh, We want to get to where there is no division in this body. What does that mean, no division? First of all, that does not mean that we are all completely united on everything that we think about stuff. It doesn't mean that at all, okay? Right now, we're trying to figure out what do we do if we continue to grow? You know, what do we do? We've, we've gone to three services. What do we do if we continue to grow? I guarantee you, you there's, there's 99 opinions about that right now at Lincoln, okay? Um, do, do we, you know, Fifth Street is, is really growing. Do, do we build on there? Do we build on here? Do we go to a fourth service? Do we have another campus? Do we build one $10 million facility? I mean, I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities. There's all kinds of disagreement on that, and I think that's fine. I don't think we dishonor the Lord at all. I just think we don't need to know yet. You know, we're just in the process of God, where do you want us to go? So, so when he says no division, that doesn't mean that we don't disagree. You know what no division means? Don't shut off yet, because this is a good point. Ready? No division means, look, look at it, verse 25, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. You know what no division means? No division means that we care for each other uniformly, Okay? That, that, that means that, that, that I don't say, well, man, I'm, I'm going to really care for June because she and I work out on the same page. She works in the nursery. She's with my kids. Dean, ah, you know, I don't care much for Dean. You know, I'm not going to care. You know, I'm not going to minister to him very much, you know. No. No division means I'm going to minister to people as God gives me opportunity. I'm, I'm going to speak God's truth in their life. I'm going to try to build up their faith. And I'm not going to wall off a certain group and say, I don't really want anything to do with those folks. I'm I'm more, these are my people. No, the church is your people. And so no division means we have the same care for one another. It's a beautiful picture in verse 26. One member suffers, everybody suffers. One member is honored, everybody rejoices. Isn't that a great picture of the church? That when you hurt, we all hurt. 
And we all want to rush to care. Because you, you know why? Because you're part of the body. You know? I mean, when, when I smash my right toe, my left toe cares about that. You know? I mean, he hurts as well. He would have worked really hard to get the right toe out of the way if he could have, you know? Uh, and, and, and he's got to take up more of the slack. I mean, that's the way a body works. You can't divide it, you know? I mean, it's all one. That's the way we ought to work. That's the kind of relationships we ought to have with each other. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the church. Um, God, I thank you for, uh, for saving us and for putting your Holy Spirit inside of us. Uh, God, thank you for, uh, for giving us people to look after our soul and to, to build us up in faith. And God, I, I pray that we would do a good job with that, God. Uh, Lord, help us to have, have direct intentions of building up others in their faith. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.